Welcome to this episode of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. It's Super Bowl Sunday. There's plenty of games today, and there's plenty of time to talk some hoops. And I am uh, really looking forward to talking to Houston head coach Ronald Huey. Huey's in his fifth season at Houston, took over a team that uh, had some struggles. And he had some struggles his first few years, but last year they won 20 games. They finished with nine wins in conference, the most wins they've had in conference in a while. This year they're sitting in fourth place right now, but Huey's a guy who has had a really interesting career. He's had um, he's had a cool journey, and he's got a cool backstory. So I want to talk to him and share that a little bit. Uh, talk about his Houston team. Talk about what they've got to do to improve, and and just talk to him overall. He's uh, Huey's a fun guy. He's a nice guy. He's someone that kind of lights up the room when he walks in. So uh, we'll get him on the phone here. We'll talk to him and talk about his program. This is the jump round. And we are back on the jump around and joining me. It is Houston head coach Ronald Huey. Coach, I appreciate you joining me. And it's always nice when I have a guest on and they're coming off of a, a win and an overtime win nonetheless for you guys. So thanks for joining me. And I know you're a happy man this morning. Oh, very happy. Thanks for having me. And um, like you said, coming off a great win. So it, it just carries the mood to the next level. <laughs> and I'm still excited about it. Well, we will definitely get into the the season and 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 everything about Houston, but I want people to know a little bit about you uh, and and how you got here. You're a guy born and raised in in South Carolina, a guy born in Columbia, and as you go through your journey, you, you coached at high school, you go to a small a small college in Limestone, and uh, and you kind of work your way through that, and and then a couple years later, you're you're coaching at South Carolina, uh, you, your coaching journey, and that was just the beginning of it, but. Your coaching journey's been pretty remarkable. I'm sure that's not lost on you. When you first started uh, into this business, did you ever envision it being what it's been for you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, just to tell you a little story how I got to South Carolina, I started out at South Carolina State, and I was there for three years. And, you know, being a smaller HBCU, played all the bigger schools, um, University of South Carolina being close and money game and things like that. But we played them every year, and I always played them tough to like the last seven or eight minutes, and their size would take over and we would lose. But Susan always asked me about the scout. Can she have the scout? Can she have the scout? So we always exchange scouts and things like that. And then on the road recruiting, she would always come and sit beside me in the gym and ask me about different players on the floor and things like that, and I would just tell about it because when you're at the smaller school, you have to evaluate every kid. <laughs> yeah. You can't leave early, you know, like some of the majors. And you just can't have a list of 10 or 12. And you have to evaluate everyone. So that's what I was used to doing. And the end of my third year at South Carolina State, Susan called me as soon as we got off the road and said, I would really love to talk to you about coming to be my assistant at University of South Carolina. And I said, I would love to as well. I said, can I? get a chance to come up and sit down and interview with you and things like that. And she said, I'm calling to offer you the job you've been interviewing for the last three years. 
I was like, wow. That is no idea. Wow. (laughs) That's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, all the the days of sitting next to you in the gym, all the scouts, all the conversations, all of those things you've been interviewing. I was like, wow. Wow. (laughs) Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yes. Yes. And that's a, that is a huge jump from, from South Carolina state to South Carolina. Uh, I'm sure you probably felt like a kid in a candy shop, the amount of resources at your disposal, because if people don't know when you're at that, you know, lower D one level, man, you, you're scrapping together everything, you're doing everything. And then you get to the SEC and you're probably feeling like you're, you're living the dream. Hey, it started with the pain because I went up about (laughs) 50,000. And then, like you said, all the resources. You know, the first time having my own car that I didn't have to help pay for or anything like that. Because South Carolina State gave us a car, but we had to pay the insurance and things like that. And I was appreciative of that. But again, like you said, the resource at South Carolina, I didn't have to pay for the car. I got a car stipend and, you know, all of that stuff. And then um, recruiting budget. You could go anywhere at any time, mm. you know. Um, once we got closer to the season recruiting, um, I could go get on the private plane and go down and watch a game and come right back. And it was just mm. tremendous. Mm. Man. <laughs> oh, man, that is funny. Well, so you go from South Carolina, um, you go to UCF. Uh, you, you also coach at Rutgers, Texas, Florida State. A lot of incredible schools, and man, Huey, not a lot of people can say they worked for uh, CVIV and and Gale, and uh, for you, man, and Sue Semerall. I mean, you worked for some incredible female head coaches. Uh, I'm just curious for those three, and and really anyone else you want to chime in, but those three in particular, I'm curious what you've learned from them because those are all, you know, they're all legends of this game. Man, I was, you know, extremely blessed just to get the call from each one of them because Coach Stringer was the only person I interviewed for. And still yet today, it's the only job that I interviewed for as assistant. Um, everybody else just called and offered me the job. Mm. But Coach Stringer put me through a three-day process. Um, the thing I learned most with Coach Stringer was being prepared. You know, the three hours and four-hour practices and all that stuff was just about being prepared. Um, the, the second thing I learned from her was just execution. You don't go through all this preparation to fail when the moment gets here. Mm. And those two things she harped on so much. The third thing she harped on is the kids always have more. We would practice during the holidays when you have no time limit and we would go three or four hours and she would tell the kids we're going to go one more hour and if it's not like we started we're going to start over and go another three or four hours <laughs> and those kids will start up just like we started practice pulling everything out and I was simply amazed I was amazed but she knew it wow. she knew it because they, they always hold back a little bit more yeah a little bit, little bit, little bit. And those three things I learned from her. Wow. With Gail, I learned simplicity. Hmm. You know, I was coming from Rutgers where, you know, everything was strategic and 30 page scout reports and all that. And Coach C was like, no, I'm like simplicity. And that simplicity is what I use today. Um, also, she was more of 
getting the players to perform on the floor instead of trying to get plays to make them perform. Okay. It was your talent should spin out because you're the better player. As long as I put you in a situation um, to perform, like the NBA, a lot of ISO stuff and things like that, she expected the players to be able to get it done. Mm. And Sue, I learned everything about managing players off the floor with love. I mean, Sue, I'll give you an example. We had a routine every day for practice. So we'll have three start in the weight room, and we'll have three start individual, three or four individual on the floor. And then we'll have three or four start up with Sue, and they all met. So every week, every player could say they had some time from Sue. That's, individual wow. time. She met with each one of them for 10 or 15 minutes every single week. That's hard to do, man. It is. It is. I tried it when I got here, and I was done after the first six weeks. <laughs> I, I mean, it's legitimately hard to find that time to, to do that. I'm telling you. I'm yeah, telling wow. you. That was every pre-practice. Every pre-practice we had four of them in the weight room, three or four on the floor doing individuals, and we rotated. So Monday, Group A was with Sue. Then B, group A was on the floor. Then group, then Wednesday, group A was on the court. And we just, and everybody just rotated like that. And I was like, Sue, how do you do it? And I just <laughs> couldn't imagine. Uh, but that's what, that's what I learned there. She, she, she's the ultimate with off the court, having them to understand that they're part of the program, that everything that you give culturally is the thing that we must have in order to win. It wasn't about on the court for her. Mm. It was off the court, making them feel apart, making them feel home. She knew all the family stories. She knew all the birthdays. She knew all, I mean, everything. And, and I, I, I commend her every day for that because mm. I, I could never get to that point. Yeah, yeah well, you've certainly, um, you've certainly... Uh, taking it and and put it into what you're doing and and I do want to ask you one more thing and I ask you and I ask this very respectfully because I, I think you know how I feel about you but there's a mm-hmm. there's a balance in the coaching world right there's a level of loyalty there's a level of you know staying where you're at and doing a good job but there's also you've got to take care for yourself and you've got to look out for your best interest so I know for a while you you know, you, you would have a stop and you'd be there for a year and then you, you know, you, you moved on to the next stop and there's, you know, there is a, there's a level of concern that you think, okay, I don't want to be known as someone who just, you know, moves along to the next thing. But then again, on the counterpoint, you also, if there's a good situation for you and your family, you're going to take that opportunity. So for you, I wonder how you navigate that and balance those two, because I know it is a balance um, and, and you, you want to, and I know, and if you're outside and you don't, if, you know, if I don't know Huey and I think, oh, this guy just is hopping around and do whatever, but I'm sure for you there, there's a reason for that. I'm, so, I'm just curious about your thoughts on, on that. Oh yeah, I, I definitely answer that. I'm going to tell you a story right before I answer it. When I got the head job at Houston and I went to Boo Williams, I can't think of the guy's name. He's the head coach at Maris. Oh, uh, Brian George's. He walked up to me, and he said, congratulations, Huey. He said, I'm happy to see you get the head coaching job at Houston. 
And I said, thank you so much. He said, now I get to see you in one freaking shirt instead of every year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, the man called you out like that. (laughs) But I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate it. Because I didn't even think you knew me. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) But yes, when you started... When I started on this journey, I had no idea that it would lead me to the place that I've been. So I thought I'd be at South Carolina State forever. Um, so once I started to move, and moving after one year, it was all about the money at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was all about the money. I, I promise you, I, I, I grew up that. poor. Honestly. Um, didn't have a lot. Um, so the one thing I knew from being taught to my high school coach and my grandmother that my work ethic it has to set you apart from everybody else. And so I wanted to eat, sleep, and drink everything about basketball, everything about recruiting, everything about player development, those kind of things. So um, I prepared myself by when other people were going to play golf in the summer, I was going to meet with coaches and learn more. When other coaches were taking vacations, I was going to meet with other coaches, and it was mostly on the men's side. And I get we can get into that later because the women wasn't supportive, <laughs> mm. and I'm, I'm you know just still appalled by that. But most most of the women coaches still don't help a lot, but the men coaches were openly and ready to help. I mean, all the way up to Billy Donovan and. Jim Herrick and those guys, they, they were like, come on, we'll sit down and talk to you about anything. Hmm. And so it was all about the money at the beginning. And when I got to Coach Stringer and going through that experience for the year up there, now I had a, I had a choice to make. Are you going to keep chasing the money or are you going to position yourself to where one day you could be a head coach and one day uh, you can be over a program? What is your aim here? Hmm. Because you have money now. You're making six figures now. You're recruiting against the best. You're signing the best. So what is it now? And so that point, I made the decision that I wrote three things down. I wanted to be a head coach. I wanted to be a defensive coordinator someplace. And I wanted to be the best player developer. And so when Texas called and said they could offer two out of the three, and Coach G said she would help me uh, prepare for any job that I saw during those two years or three years that I was there with her, that she would help me. Like, when I got there, she helped me with, you know, I saw the job at St. Louis came open, and we put the pros and cons on the board. And that's what I mean by helping me. And mm-hmm. I saw right then and there I didn't uh, qualify for that job, so there was no need to go for it. But those are the kind of things that I laid out to why I started to move. And um, I didn't care about the naysayers. I didn't care at all. I believed in me. The one thing that I love about basketball and one thing that I knew is if I worked harder and smarter than everybody else, I would excel. And that's the one thing I had. I didn't, my balance was crazy with my family Everything. I was, you know, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., I'm up doing scouts or uh, figuring out ways to um, get next to this player or, or that coach or things like that. And 
that's what I, I, I did every single day. Every day. My friends were like, you're crazy. It's your birthday weekend, and you're going to Missouri to spend it with Mike Anderson and watch <laughs> practice and talk basketball and all of that? Like, yes. Yes. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. It was so much that um, CD um, was starting to broadcast all the things that I was doing to other people. And I didn't even know it. I barely even knew her. But she was telling my story to all these other people. Hmm. And that's the decision that I made. And I didn't care that other people were going to talk about it and say you're moving every year and you're not loyal and all this other stuff. I was like, as long as I'm there and I'm loyal and I do everything possible to help them win, when the next opportunity came, if it fit me, I was taking it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I yeah, I, it begs the follow up then with what you alluded to when when you're trying to go around and learn and trying to um, you know meet with coaches or whatever. So you you had a struggle meeting some of the women's head coaches then. Yes, it was really a struggle. You know, especially when I first got in it. You know, Susan would talk to me just because I was local, but when I reached out to some of the other coaches. You know, just around the Triangle area from North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, mm-hmm. they were too busy. They mm-hmm. were too busy. Um, I could get a few assistants to meet with me. Sure. One of the best meetings I had was with um, Tracy at North Carolina. Um, sure. They had that's when they had Ivory Lather and all of them, and they were filling up the record books. And I asked her, "How do you recruit?" She said, what do you mean? I said, I want to learn to be a recruiter like you. What do you do? And she started talking about all the software stuff. And um, I can't remember back then which one it was. But I said, we don't have that here. So how can I shortcut that? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, this is too much to talk over the phone. And I said, well, I'll come up there. And she said, you will? I said, yeah, I'll leave right now and drive. <laughs> and she said, can you meet me at Cracker Barrel on some highway? And I said, let me pull up the map quest, get the direction, and I'll be there. Yeah. And, and we met, and it was like three hours there, and that that changed my recruiting life. Wow. Because now I'm thinking I'm, I, I can recruit like North Carolina if I could get this. Yeah. Yeah. And – and you have you have built a reputation as being one of the best recruiters uh, when you were an assistant, but now too as a head coach, like you've built that reputation too. So it worked. <laughs> exactly, my head coach. We say, excuse me, my high school basketball coach. His name is Tim Gates. He said, "Recruiting is giddy up and woe." And I said, "What is giddy up and woe?" Because I've never watched the Western like that. And he said. Players that you have to come in every single day and ask them to get it up, get it up, let's go, let's go, let's go, and beg them to get going will get you fired. Mm-hmm. But players that you have to come in and, whoa, wait a minute, hold them back, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, like that, will always give you an opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. That's good. He said, get it up and whoa. That's funny. That's good. Well, you, you, Take what you've learned, and obviously it, it's worked well. Uh, you get the the Houston job, and 
you know, the program was, you know, not in a great place and you struggle, you know, your first two years, which I, even in your introductory press conference, you, you know, you, someone asked you, Hey, you know, how, how long is it going to take you to get this thing turned around? And you're like, look, I, I don't know. You know, we're just going to have to work and get better every day and all that. But you go six and 24, your first two years. And we'll talk about the happier times in a second, but for someone who's been a part of some, you know, good teams, some high-level teams, how difficult was that? Because that's, I mean, that's that's a lot of losing, Huey. <laughs> exactly, and, and to tell you another story, so we lost eighteen in a row that year. Oof. Eighteen in a row. I called Coach Gates, my high school coach, my mentor. He's been with me since I've been in seventh grade. He helped raise me like my grandmother. He's like my dad, and I said. Do you think I'm the person for the job? Mm. And the phone went silent. The phone went silent because he hung up in my face. <laughs> yeah, he hung up in my face. When I called him back, he didn't answer. He takes me back. He said, when you ready to talk with some sense, you call me back. Wow. And that was in other words, you're not going to always have it the way you want to have it. I know you was at all these BCS schools that you won. You had great players and all that kind of stuff. You are going to have to work. He said, you come from humble beginnings. Mm. It's, you're blessed to be in the same situation like that because you're no stranger to hard work. You know, and so that's how I got going. Mm. And for the next year, we ended up losing 13 in a row. But I could better handle the 13 yeah. because of what happened with the 18. Yeah. Um, and during that time, you know, I made some mistakes on some recruiting kids um, just because I wanted the quick six. Sure. And I ended up having to get rid of those kids before the season even started the second year. And Gino called me and said, Huey, I think you're a great guy. I know you're going to do a great job at Houston but can you do me one favor for you, for yourself? Do not try to get the quick fix kids because even though you might win some games, the other recruits are going to see them and say, I don't want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to be back where you started because those kids who are in low character and doesn't understand that your livelihood is involved in this thing because they're selfish and they want to do the things they want to do off the court and sometimes on the court and be um, not respectful for the teammates and things like that or do drugs or whatever the case may be. They're that reason. They're in that situation for a reason. That's why you probably have an opportunity to get them mm -hmm. if they're a great player or a good player, but they've screwed up so much. And he said, don't do that. And from that point, I didn't. Well, it's... Pay di it's paid dividends though because you you know year four you guys win twenty games and and you have a you're above five hundred in the conference for the first time and so you you make some progress in that regard um, and then this year you guys are eleven and ten as we sit here you're five and three in the conference uh, you're sitting in fourth place which is you know you're you're up there and giving yourself a chance but um, as you've made steady progress each year I know you you. You envisioned, I'm sure, the record being a little bit better than it is currently. Um, it's one of those things where when you're on the rise, it doesn't always just keep going. There's there's some struggles even here in, in year five. Um, so you've had some highs and some lows this season. Uh, talk me through a little bit um, some of the things you have guys you guys have gone through. Well, 
Exactly. You know, coming in with this team, I had we had so much depth and talent that we stacked the schedule a little bit. So we wanted to make the jump because, again, you can't say that you want to be a national championship team and you're out here playing mediocre talent. Yeah. So we felt we had a team, and we still feel we have a team that can compete with anybody anywhere. So that's why we had Cal at Cal at their place game one. Yeah. I didn't care. I believe in my kids, believe in the program, believe in our staff, our trainers, everybody. And so, again, you go and you lose that game on one possession. One possession, you lost that game. 79-78, I think, something like that. Um, then to come back, second game, and play Georgia Tech. And a lot of people called me like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And I was like, because I want to be great. I want our kids to be great. I told them, I sat in their homes with their families and said, we're not going to be in a place that's average. We're going for phenomenal every single day. And it's games, it's practices, it's all the time. So anytime the kids, you know, start to struggle practice-wise or get an attitude or any of these things, I can call their parents and recall that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And they can help us get them you know, back in line. But that's when we're taking this program. And that's why we did that. You know, Georgia Tech, we went double overtime and won. But when you go to Florida Gulf Coast and you lose by two or three, again, one or two possessions. Then Boston College, you know, one or two possessions. Um, Texas A&M, same thing. You know, lost by like six or seven. But again, we're going to play a national schedule. We're going to play every single person. You know, of course, UConn. Again, we lost by twenty, and until Cincinnati lost by ten or eleven yesterday, it was the closest in the conference. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue to stride and push this program to the next level, regardless of what any other person outside of it be. But we had so much depth that I knew that we could be able to do that if we come together chemistry-wise. Well. That's the part that is so finicky about it that we didn't come together like we needed to. So I end up having a freshman Jada to transfer at Christmas time and go back home. You know, just because she was homesick, only child, and um, not playing a whole lot. Um, my Juco Theodore um, was in and out the lineup because she struggled defensively to bring what we need. And she was already on the team coming out of JUCO where she led in scoring the star and all of that. So it was hard to cope with, you know, coming off the bench and not playing a whole lot. And then her mother got her mother got sick. And so it was a way for her to say, well, I want to go back home. And Jasmine Harris, my best player, best guard, um, started doing some things that was uncharacteristic of who she is. And so we ended up having to spend her. Um, so we had a bunch of culture things that didn't go right during that time. And we still uh, are staying afloat. And we still balance. And we still want to be great. Yeah. We're still going to take that challenge every single day. So those challenges and, and things like that, we're never going to back down from, regardless of who we have on the court. But we feel pretty good right now, and we are, we're moving forward with who we have. I'm not surprised to hear your level of confidence because of the way you've spoken about your team. Even when you took over the program, you said, 
Uh, and this is a direct quote. You said, University of Houston, we're getting ready to do big things, and it's as simple as that. I'm curious yep. what – I admire the confidence, and I'm really thankful to not be sitting here listening to a bunch of coaching cliches, which I absolutely despise. I'm, I really appreciate your honesty. But what gives you the confidence, and what, like, what gave you the confidence then when you had no reason to be, honestly – and what like what gives you that confidence still to be so bold as to be like, hey, yeah, we're we're I right. don't worry about us. When I was in the seventh grade, my grandmother brought me a alarm clock and she said, no one's going to wake you up from for school in the morning anymore. <laughs> you have to use your alarm clock. You already know that. Get your stuff together and all that kind of stuff. And I said, grandmother, what's wrong? She said. Now you have to start learning to be better than you were the day before. The first time I heard that quote from a person who had a seventh grade education, who uh, it was a school called Logan that closed down in Columbia. She used to, she was a, a custodial worker there. Um, and she told me that from that point on, I knew I had everything in me to be great. My grandmother put everything in me to be great. It's the same thing she told me when she dropped me off at college. It's the same thing she told me, you know, just growing up all the time. First football game, first basketball game, whatever it was. And I believed in me. I believed in me because of that. That's why I said all those statements. I believed in me. Now, with the opportunity to believe in me, you have to know that you can put together a great staff. I know I can get together a great staff. I know I can have an opportunity to get some great people around me and we can recruit some great kids. Um, I know that coming in, Sue already taught me how to manage up with the administration and things like that. Um, Gail already taught me simplicity so you don't have to try to reinvent the wheel on different things. Coach String already taught me about being prepared um, across the board. So just added in all those things on top of my humble beginnings and understanding all those things, I knew we could get Houston past the expectation of what other people had. Mm. That's good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. Um, with uh, all that comes with coaching and being a head coach and being in charge, you've also uh, you have a, a little bit outside of basketball stuff. You, you've got a uh, a new uh, a new addition to your life recently, um, and I'm I love to to hear a little bit about uh, about that about the the family man. You you are uh, you've got two older daughters, but you've got a you've got a new new little one in your life. Yes, my wife Shay and I um, got married last August, and um, she was like, "I want to have a baby." So, <laughs> so well, let's, let's have a baby. And um, Hunter came along in April 21st, and he's uh, nine months now, and he's huge. You know, he was born almost 10 pounds, and he's huge. Yesterday um, in the game, we saw a 15-month-old kid, and I was holding Hunter, and he probably had about two teeth in his mouth, the 15-month-old, and, and the lady asked how old is he? I said, he's nine months. And she said, nine months. <laughs> and she was holding her son. And Hunter dwarfed him. And then Hunter has four teeth on the top and four on the bottom. 
Wow. It's just like he had eight teeth already. I said, yes, ma'am, man. He had some coming in the back. Well, my baby only has two and all those kind of things. So he's been a joy. He's always at practice. Um, we take him. He's always at every game. My wife makes sure that happens. Uh, on top of her busy schedule, and I have to give her a shout out just because she's getting her PhD at, at Texas Southern. Um, she's in her last semester of that. She's uh, also just passed a counseling examination to be a licensed uh, counselor um, and just doing, we just doing so many other things. And for her to be able to awesome. have class on Wednesdays and Saturdays and grab him and come to games and things like that. And on top of my recruiting and traveling, and, I mean, we're just making it work. And I'm just happy to try to almost have some sort of balance because mm-hmm. I struggle with it so much, but mm-hmm. Hunter's been giving me that extra push yeah. along with my wife to be able to to help with that balance awesome yeah that's good stuff too um what has been your and i'll get you out of here i got, I got one more one or two more questions for you but I, i'm curious about your growth you know you talk about your team and you talk about all the things that you've learned but uh since you've taken over as a head coach obviously there's there's you see things through a new lens uh i'm curious in what ways that you have grown the most since you first arrived at houston you know, I think the the first way I've grown is in faith. Um, because when you get jobs like this, you, you want to question everything, you know, especially all the losing at the beginning. Then you start to get some kids that um, you thought were uh, a different character, and then they start to expose something else. Um, you just question so much when you're not winning um, that I think I grew the most in faith. Um, secondly, I think I've grown the most in leadership because, you know, being an assistant, you always just, you know, you're over your position players or the recruits that you have and things like that. And so when you get to be a head coach and now, you know, you look at your traveling manifest and those kind of things and you look at 26, 27, 28 people and, you know, you're having three or four meetings a day with different areas. We had our alumni weekend and, you know, as much as I didn't, want to have those meetings, you know, at times because of uh, practice and recruiting meetings and things like that, I had to. And I had to put, give them my time, too, as well um, with those, um, LaMisha, who's over that, and then Zach, who's over all our graphic stuff, you know, all those things. And it's just paying attention to other people's needs as well as your own and doing the best for the program. And I think the leadership part, it's something that I'm continuing to grow at because I'm doing uh, a lot of uh, different books and everything. I'm, I'm reading the all black ones now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just, uh, I did winning in the locker room. Um, just doing a lot of books and also doing a lot of podcasts um, and things like that. But I think leadership was the other one. I think I've grown the most in Final question for you. Uh, as you guys continue to, to go down and, and, and finish this season, uh, again, you came off, came off a big win against SMU, but you, you travel up to Temple, you go to UC, or uh, USF, excuse me. Um, and man, it's kind of crazy, but the, the end of the season's you know within sight. You, know, you, can, you can see the end of the regular season right there. Uh, for you guys, as you continue to try to build, um, towards the end of the season and into the into the tournament, um, 
in what ways do you guys need to improve to give yourself an opportunity? Uh, and um, I guess what are the expectations for your team? It's great that you said that because we talked about that after the game yesterday um, with the staff. I, mean, I have a tremendous staff. You know, the one thing I love about them is complete honesty. It, it, sometimes you would think I'm the assistant. They be throwing things at me so much. Like, we gotta change this. We gotta do this. You know, and, and I love it just because it's honest, it's truthful, it's loyal. They want to win just as much as I do. And the first thing we gotta improve on is rebounding. And I mean, yesterday they had 25 offensive boards, and they're they're yeah, the number one team in the yeah, conference, and they're huge. But it's still no reason for 25 offensive rebounds. You know, we have to improve in that area. The second area we have to improve is is having a better uh, attitude towards preparation. You know, and it's, it's kind of with when you are, we have three seniors, one hurt right now, so the two that are playing, and everybody else is young. And they think that you can basically go – like they do in class sometimes, you know, get to the last minute study and then try to run and take the test, <laughs> you know, and, and you can't do that, you know. So when we give them the personnel test and, you know, we're, we're playing with eight and, and six out of the eight get a 60, we're like, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's only seven people. You got seven people that you just had a test on. No, it's not acceptable. You know, and then when we get on the court, they talk about the preparation towards that. So we have to get a, a, a better mental uh, a toughness about the preparation part. Um, because, again, we're down in numbers and they know they're going to play. So it's partly a reason why I know I'm going to get in anyway. Yeah. So we have to stay sharp in that area. The, the other area we have to stay sharp is the understanding that it's only one possession. It's one possession, so I have to remind them of all the games we lost in one possession. The UCF and everything else, you know, it's like seven of them. We lost in one possession, so the one time that you didn't sprint the floor and gave up a layup, we lost. The one time that you didn't dive down and cover on an offensive rebound, we lost. The one time coming down that you turned the basketball over, we should have got a shot, we lost. You know, so trying to get them to understand that it's a minimal it's just minimal mm-hmm. for error, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. Yeah. On top of, you know, the other stuff, you got to shoot the basketball. You got to take care of the basketball and all those things like that. But we have to sharpen our mental focus. We got to rebound the basketball better. And we just got to be better prepped um, to understand the execution part of it can't be lacking. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be fun to, to see the, the season go down to tight conference. Um Again, Houston, eleven and ten overall, five and three in conference. Um, just two games out of second place, so you're right there. But then seventh place is just two games behind you. So it, it like you say, it's just tiny margins of of things that can change a whole lot. But uh, Huey, I really appreciate you taking time for me this morning, and I really, really appreciate your your uncommon honesty with me. Uh, seriously, so thank you for sharing your story and and sharing about your team with me. Hey, Blake, I appreciate it, man. On the Super Bowl Sunday early in the morning and, you know, doing what you do. There's not many people that do what you do, and I, I hope you can be the, the, the trailblazer to get more on it because we need it. We wow. need the women's basketball. Tremendous hats off to you, man, and, and thank you for your sacrifice and your time for doing what you do. 
I appreciate that, Huey. Kind words. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck on Tuesday. We'll be watching you guys and uh, really uh, hope you guys find success as the season goes on. Appreciate it so much. And go Cougs! Go Cougs! Thank you to Ronald Huey, head coach at the University of Houston, for joining me this morning. Thank you for listening to The Jump Around, whether you listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else. It is greatly appreciated if you listen on iTunes and can leave a rating and a review. That would be appreciated. I'm always available on Twitter, at Blake Dudonis, and I am always grateful for you listening and and sharing uh, every episode of The Jump Around. So whether this is your first time or your 60th time listening, I appreciate you. Until next time, this is The Jump Around.